0: Hello, hello to the podcast Agroecology World and this 15th episode. This is your host Rob Cluson, aka Dr. K. It's my pleasure to personally welcome you and thank you again for joining me in learning about global efforts to achieve the promises of sustainable food systems and agroecology for their communities. It's my distinct privilege to make this podcast and freely share its episodes with you of inspiring ideas and connections from around the world that will assist you in your agroecology-based efforts for your community. I'm so lucky to meet these practitioners in places during my current world travels with my wife, Sky. After my retirement in 2018 as a university extension faculty, In sustainable agriculture and natural resources for the institute of food and agriculture sciences at the university of florida usa the the intent of this podcast is to showcase how these existing applications of agroecology represents its transdisciplinary approach that is to say including input across three major sources such as scientific disciplines, traditions of agriculture practice, and social movements. And as always, I will keep it informal but informative and light but enlightening as you meet and hear from actual folks and places directly to learn from their own words, ideas, and experiences. I'm so pleased to offer you this episode number 15 for a couple of reasons. One, it's another episode during my stay in Ireland, which began in January 2020, and which has allowed me to learn about some of the many Irish initiatives in sustainable agriculture and agroecology. The lifting of the COVID travel restrictions in Ireland now again is allowing me to travel for face to face conversations and interviews. Two, The topic of this episode is market gardening. It's an example of the potential role of small farming to facilitate the transitions necessary for agroecology in communities and countries across the globe. This topic was an important focus of my career as sustainable agriculture extension faculty. This topic was also part of my extension programs in urban agriculture. For your information, episodes 2 and 3 of this podcast featured urban practitioners in agroecology from down under Australia, which you may also want to listen to if you haven't already done so. For this episode number 15, I was very fortunate to visit the farmers of the Gnomes Market Garden Farm in Dublin, Ireland. These market gardeners include Martin Matthews and his brothers, Ray and Shane, as well as their friend, Jason McGuire. I met these young lads at a farmer's market in the Glasnevin neighborhood of Dublin, where I bought and later enjoyed eating produce that they had grown. I know that you will find my interview with them very informative. Before we get to the interview, though, I want to share the following background information on today's topic of market gardening for the purpose of adding some content and food for thought to the messages of this interview. Market gardening can be defined as the commercial production of vegetables, fruits, flowers, and other plants on a scale larger than a home garden, yet small enough that many of the principles of gardening are applicable. The goal, as with all farm enterprises, is to run the operation as a business and to make a profit. Market gardening is often oriented towards local markets, although production for shipping to some more distant markets is also a possibility. Market garden farms are serving increasingly a pivotal role worldwide for transitions and agroecological approaches to sustainable food systems development. They offer solutions to the recognition that many of the current food production systems are not sustainable and are leading to negative on-site and off-site impacts. Examples of the multifunctional benefits of market gardening include the following. They can offer a way to keep producing food sustainably economically, ecologically, and socially for ever-increasing populations by building on the fact that already 70% of the world's food supply is done by small farmers. They can offer greater resilience to local food systems by providing short food supply chains, local food value chains, and climate adaptations. They can offer greater food security and nutritious foods for the public health needs of communities. They can help reduce national trade gaps for fruits and vegetables. They transform underutilized smaller lands into food producing lands. They offer conservation of many flora and fauna by limiting further spread of large-scale agriculture into natural ecosystems. Agroecology initiatives in Africa are showing that they can serve as catalysts for more equitable as an economic relations within families and within communities that promote human and social values such as dignity, equity, inclusion, and justice. They can build capacity and empower private and public stakeholders for sustainable food systems and promote values such as food sovereignty. Now you may ask, just what exactly are market gardens? Well, here are some typical traits of various aspects of market gardens. Their focus is on cash crops and profit. They can be located in urban and peri-urban locations, as well as rural areas. Production attributes include intensive production per unit area, high crop diversity, Field and or protected production systems are used. Low volume per crop. More manual labor and horticultural techniques used. Scale attributes include the size is relatively small. For example, from a few acres to less than an acre. Spatially, they're located close to their customer base and the length of their growing season is long. That is, it includes the local growing season, but also some of the off-season. Marketing attributes include market gardens are generally distinguished by their direct-to-consumer sales at outlets like farm stands, farmers' markets, community-supported agriculture, social enterprises, restaurants, and independent produce stores. There are advantages by market gardening, such as they have lower barriers and capital costs to get started for beginning farmers and or communities and or collectives. Agroecology-based projects in developing countries are demonstrating that market garden startups provide greater access for women to enter and gain credit and for new economic relationships and power balances between men and women. There's more opportunity for experimentation. For example, crop diversity, agroecology, Ecological production systems like agroforestry, intercropping, soil and water conservation, use of seeds of short cycle and adapted local varieties, more so than other kinds of farming. Their small size requires less labor. Typically, the owners can manage the harvest without hiring outside laborers. Despite their small scale, profit margins can be higher because unlike larger farms, one doesn't have to factor in a mortgage on more land or loans on bigger equipment for production. At the same time, there are many challenges of market gardening, such as their small size presents overall limits to production, Their diverse production systems require greater diligence and planning to maintain timing and continuity of production for a year-long income stream. Greater attention and logistics are required to meet the demands of simultaneous different direct markets. You may have heard some synonyms for market gardens. Sometimes they're referred to as a truck farm, a backyard farm a hobby farm, a spin farm, or a micro farm. You may have already heard the term market gardening because there are many different incentives for the growing trend of market garden startups in both developed and developing countries. Here's some examples of why this is so desire for a pleasant economic livelihood and independence by entering into agriculture as a profession, especially for the youth and for beginning farmers. It can be a response by established medium-scale producers to policy-based reductions in their labor markets. For example, the impacts of Brexit in the United Kingdom. There's increasing awareness of urgent sustainability priorities related to food systems. For example, reducing food waste, food carbon footprints, and the negative impacts of industrial agriculture. Addressing community food insecurity. Addressing resilient food economies. As well as engaging in climate action through sustainable food production. There's recognition that 70% of the world's food is produced on small scale family farms. Lifestyle choices and changes are common, are becoming more common in developed countries that lead people to think about gaining entry into agriculture. There's renewed social efforts in community development and connections. There's increasing health consciousness of food consumers. There's increased awareness by farmers about agroecology-based knowledge and opportunities. Promotion by sustainable agriculture groups and institutions, as well as Government programs and policy are encouraging market garden startups. Finally, there's increased publicity and resources in the popular press and on social media. As I prepared for this interview in the fall of 2021, the world is very much still in the grips of the COVID 19 pandemic albeit at different levels of intensity and urgency among countries. The range of tragic impacts have particularly generated a range of analyses and policy responses, including looking at the role of food systems. For example, food insecurity was increased for segments of the general public, especially urban communities who suffered disruptions of their food systems that depend on long food supply chains. In addition, from the medical analysis of of loss of human life and of long-term human health recovery impacts, patient vulnerability to COVID for a significant percentage of people has been shown linked to unhealthy diets and unhealthy preconditions, resulting from overconsumption of highly processed foods in contrast to fresh foods and unhealthy lifestyles and environments, as well as malnutrition from poverty issues. This episode explores the idea that the continued rise of market, garden, small-scale agriculture will be part of the necessary transformations of our food systems in these trying times. Next, we will listen to my conversation with Martin Matthews and Jason McGuire of the Gnome's Market Garden in Glasnevin, a northern suburb of Dublin, Ireland. As an introduction, here's a partial summary of the Gnome's background, which I glean from newspaper articles about them. The Gnome Market Garden is located on about a quarter of an acre on the campus of Dublin City University. It was started in 2018 to 2019 and is located on the former site of a community garden which had been left idle. There are two polytunnels, 68 beds and a small apple orchard. Their production system is self-described as biologically intensive agriculture without using any synthetic inputs. They farm with crop rotations in the beds and without heavy machinery to minimize disturbing the soil. The gnomes are an exemplary young lads in their 20s. They turned their passion for growing real foods naturally into farm skills by learning from other projects and from leading books on market gardening and entrepreneurship. For example, authors such as Elliot Coleman, Jean-Martin Fortier, Curtis Stone, and Richard Perkins, and combining all this information with their previous skill sets, for example, Martin's background in IT for making business plan spreadsheets, and Jason's background in healthy cooking and community development. At the same time, their farming skills very much had organic growth based on their ongoing farming experiences, which then helps them design what works for their specific location. They are growing 20 plus different varieties of crops and the fresh food is going straight from farm to local markets like farmers markets and restaurants in a couple of hours. Within the COVID-19 context and public health measures, They managed to expand their markets by adding online shopping and home delivery options to their customers. The no-market gardeners view themselves very much as part of the efforts of reinventing the role of local food producers for reconnecting local communities. They espouse to be role models to others to use similar small spaces for community ties with sustainable food production, even in urban areas where space can be in very short supply. The gnomes are very much part of the vanguard of a growing, small-scale sustainable ag movement in Ireland that includes the Rural Market Garden Education Center of Jim Cronin in County Clare and the Small Farmers Network of the Irish Organic Association. This interview took place at the end of September 2021, when I visited the Gnomes Market Garden as part of our travels to Dublin after the lifting of COVID travel restrictions in Ireland. All right, hello, hello, we're back with Agroecology World Podcast. We're in Dublin, Ireland, and today I'm really, really fortunate to be at a really innovative and productive micro farm, and I want to have a nice conversation with the farmers here. And first of all, I'm going to hand this over to Jason, who's going to tell us where we are exactly, and and what am i looking at All besides all of these beautiful vegetables i see growing yeah. okay.
1: well jason is that other handsome guy over there i'm martin and uh, it's a pleasure to have you down robert and it's a pleasure to meet you um, martin, thanks for coming down and you know taking the time to look around it's um, we're always interested in having high caliber guests down, and you know we really appreciate appreciate your time um What was your your question again sorry
0: well just uh help the audience understand where are we and what is around us what's the you know environment that you're farming in
1: yeah so we are more or less centrally in dublin here so we got started under the canopy of a university on some kind of unemployment program about six years ago we've got houses all around us it's like 1.6 acres nestled in the middle of a kind of urban, semi-urban area. So it's, as, you know, it's pretty as urban as you're going to get.
0: Is but this yours, Jay? No.
1: Welcome, Joe. Welcome to the podcast. Oh,
0: the podcast. <laughs> oh, sorry about that. No sorry. worries. No sorry worries. It's spontaneous. <laughs>
1: yeah, he's going to do a lot of editing.
0: <laughs> what, you going to do a bit of work as well, was you here? Ah, uh, you oh, bet. better. fair play to you. You bet. Fair play <laughs> to you. look a fit, man.
1: So yeah, we're we're more or less in the center of Dublin here. We've got access to Dublin town. We've got access to surrounding areas. We're in North Dublin, and uh, yeah, it's it's a bit of slice of paradise. here. It's a good good spot.
0: I've read one account of how you, you and your brothers and uh, and your associates got started. I think that would be of interest to understand. Kind of the background and skills that your team brought yeah, yeah. together, and then uh, what additional skills you learned right off you needed to do. You know, to, that uh, you can, I'm sure you all came with, to this project with a lot of passion. Yeah, and, absolutely. Then as, and then as soon as you got started, you realized, I need some skills to complement <laughs> my passion. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way of putting yeah, it. Yeah, yeah so, uh, you know. Kind of give us a flavor of some of those beginning days and, and, yeah. and how, how you sorted things out.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So there's, there's four of us in total working in the garden and we all have our own story, but I'll give you the best background as I can. So initially, six years ago, I was finishing up in college. I was an IT student and I finished my course. Um, Jason, my uh, longtime friend, he was already working down here a year. He had just finished up a course we're working with uh, youth in the community and um, I had a major headache working on computers and he said look there's a position going down here on, in the university uh, for a part-time job and I was like yeah I'll take that didn't know what I was getting myself in for I had no skills in horticulture Jason had a year of hands-on experience and um commercial growth commercial growth. yeah <laughs> so uh yeah, we got started. There was, about, it was probably about 20 people on the programme initially, including management. And uh, the garden was left idle for about 30 years. It had every invasive weed known to man. It had every problem. Um, but yeah, we, we, uh, we saw the glory in it. There was an old polytunnel, a couple of polytunnel frames. There was an old glasshouse frame, which is still standing here, which we're still in the process of actually you know, upgrading the garden and getting into full shape. But uh, we saw the potential of the garden and we decided to, uh, to put the work in. So after about two years, a lot of people weren't interested. Myself and Jason were the last two men standing and my brother had joined us at that point. He was His background is in health, nutrition and bodybuilding. So he was in fantastic physical shape. So between the three of us, we got started early on. That was about four years ago. We had to remove 30 tons of shale by hand. We had a wheelbarrow with no air in the wheel. We had a um, single, shovel. single shovel, yeah, probably half a handle. So we had nothing really uh, other than drive and passion and naivety. And as I was saying earlier on, the naivety is the only thing that, that kept us going because we didn't know what we were getting into. But we had, a, we, had a, we had a drive to succeed. We wanted to be self-sufficient. We wanted to grow our own food. We seen people's eyes light up when they come down and they see the garden. And, uh, you know, we were fueled on by that. We, uh, we draw passion from that. Very early on, we started a market on the campus. We just rocked up with like everything we had. We just stripped the garden bare, whatever veg. We brought it up to the campus and we set, we set up a table. We didn't even own the tables. We were actually loaned the tables from the uh, the religious center up there. They they gave us a good handout starting off very early. So we just set up, start selling veg, start making money, start putting the money back in. Um, So the first year and a half was just, we didn't take a penny out of it. We just kept putting it back in. We started getting tools. We start buying information, which was the biggest asset, getting access to the information. Uh, signing up for courses, um, you know, learning about the right people, and then we started put a structure on it. So, after about two years of you know backbreaking work, getting the garden into condition, we started to say, okay, we have to run a business. So we said we have to make this viable. That means our crop selection was, you know, had to be you know, in tune with that. We wanted to make sure it worked for the community. So we wanted to make sure that we were growing things people wanted. And we wanted to make sure it worked for the environment. So we wanted to do it in the a, in a, in a most organic way. So we came across biologically intensive or French intensive or biodynamic gardening. So all different elements of that put together and we're making a good go of it. So it's it works within our context, which is the most important thing. And um, it's been a journey and we're, only getting started
0: okay now your background basically you guys grew up in dublin right you're urban
1: yeah we've urban lads absolutely yeah
0: so so was there something going on in dublin that started introducing you to growing your own food and so you know kind of start to light the fire that, that created your passion because uh, as we all know there's a lot of things going on around the world right now and a lot of it is about growing your own food mm-hmm. and buying locally so kind of interested to to learn a little bit about some of those early influences that, that you remember mm-hmm. and maybe you you now are the source of that inspiration for
1: for other people absolutely yeah. that's a good question and I often think about that um what actually gets you started like who introduced you for me it was i pay attention to what's going on in the world i I pay attention to what's going on in the us the uk europe and um, there's a lot of moves against centralization sorry towards centralization there's a lot of moves towards you know squeezing out the little man and you know homogenizing people and uh, i'm not all for that so i had a major passion to grow my own food and I grew my own food out my back garden in Ballymun in Dublin if anybody's from Ireland they know the area of Ballymun it doesn't have a great reputation so we've got a very small area out the back there was no grass no soil we built six raised boxes and uh, the polytunnel was two meters wide by three meters long or six meters by say 15 feet something six feet by 15 something like that anyways but um, yeah and I went in there this was before I even joined the garden and I just started growing plants because I had a desire to grow my own food and see what nature was all about. I wasn't fulfilled with computers, and um, I like to take things apart. I like to put them back together again, and then start asking questions about life. You've opened the uh, Pandora's box, which you can't put back together again. So for me, that that's what got me started. Uh, Jason was already, you know, he had his hands dirty already in the garden, and the brothers... Um, me, uh, Raymo, he's a qualified mechanic. Very similar kind of story to me. He was in a technical background and he wanted to be live more harmonious, I guess, and freer and that kind of setup. And the youngest guy, Shane, he's uh, he was always that way inclined. He looked to health and nutrition. And you know, our our, our family is really it goes against the grain. You know, we were kind of raised that way. Um, me father, he he raised us that way as well, instilled a strong sense of independence in us and, uh, yeah, old school values.
0: It sounds so familiar, you know, a lot of the uh, students that I had in some of my classes came from identical backgrounds, didn't really have a connection to a farm, farming tradition, but it just uh, made, made sense, made more and more sense. The more, the more you, if you pay attention to what's going on around the world, and you start learning, okay, here's a piece of information about health, about what I'm putting in my mouth. All right, that's good, that feeds my brain. What about the rest of my body? Yeah, <laughs> you know, absolutely. how do I, how do I uh, apply this information? And sometimes it's uh, not that readily available. So you, you, unless you do it for yourself, you're not gonna be able to, to really uh, improve quality of life for yourself and your health and, and your family. And then also, you know, your community, really. Yep. So, so uh, that's, uh, that's very familiar to me. And, and uh, it's really, I think, a very important key ingredient to helping somebody be successful, like what you guys are doing being market gardeners. Do you like to call yourself market gardeners, or are you, yeah. are you are you uh, urban farmers? Uh, what do you what do you like to call yourself?
1: Well, we're urban because we're in an urban context. If we were rural, we'd be in a rural context. Yeah. You know? So. Yeah. Yeah, market farmers, I think, is a good term. You know, because you're growing the veg and you're on the veg.
0: Yeah. You know.
1: Yeah. So that more or less covers yeah. it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Which reminds me, uh, we haven't told everyone the name that you guys chose for your farm. And how that came about. Is there a little story that
1: goes along Yeah, so our group, we call our, it's a group name, so we're called the Gnomes. We started off early called the Garden Gnomes. And before we even decided to run a business... We
0: can can push that, stop that. We'll stop that for a second. Yeah. Yeah. Take two. Back to the Gnomes. Okay.
1: Yeah, so the name, uh, the Gnomes are... Garden gnomes, as we were called very early on. we like, Before we even decided to run a business, we were down here just, you know, being mischievous little creatures like the gnomes are. So we had a friend of ours, uh, Lee, or uh, Zeyuan Lee. He was a Chinese student studying um, software development. So he was looking for a way to just kind of get out of the office, you know, and come down and get a bit of fresh air. So we became really good friends. We started making little funny videos. We only done two or three. But uh, between us, we'd said, look, we're like gnomes, you know. So we're having a bit of fun here, a bit of crack. And um, we just decided to carry that name forward. We're just going to call ourselves the gnomes. So that's the group.
0: I think you ought to keep it. It's, 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 uh, yeah. it's uh, you know, more than an identity. It's something that uh, people will remember. Yeah, so,
1: it seems to work. So yeah, yeah, I'm not going to yeah. argue with it, you know. Yeah. We kind of just roll with it.
0: Yeah, well... On a personal note, since I've been in Ireland, I've been, I was introduced to fairy doors. So where I'm living now in Westport, I'll go to this one store that sells Irish made little fairy doors. They're not too expensive, maybe five euro or something like that. And I'll go around Westport and put them around trees. <laughs> <laughs> They're shrunken children. <laughs> yes. So, uh, I don't know. It's a, it's a fascinating aspect of Ireland, uh, the mythology yeah. and everything.
1: Yeah, you could, you could do a separate podcast on that alone. Yeah. Uh, there's a, a, a good friend of mine who, uh, who actually started as a customer on the... What do you yeah so he he started as a customer on the stall and he turns out that he was a filmographer for the BBC uh and and RTÉ and he sent me on a documentary he done um I'd say early 2000s and it was about uh, people moving to Donegal you know up the north there and there was a there was a French story there was an American story there was I think and a German story and and they documented each of their journeys coming over and, and what they were getting into so they kind of wanted to get out of the rat race that they were in bought a bit of land up in Donegal and uh, yeah the, the mythology behind it there was one woman who was claiming to speak to uh, sprites and fairies and stuff mm-hmm. in the woods and she was writing mm-hmm. a book that was actually the, uh, the US lady and then there was a German couple there that were, were raising animals and then the uh, the other guy um, his story was yeah, quite interesting so yeah it was a, it was a good one Yeah, Yeah. but the mythology—it's a—it's a a huge conversation.
0: Yeah, and personally, I also think it's still relevant to this day. I mean, especially if you—you know—we're talking about nature, you know, biodiversity. Well, why can't you have a personal relationship with the biodiversity that Mm -hmm. you're conserving and enhancing on your farm? You know, all that brings in your linking you know your inner core uh spirituality as well Call them fairies or or what 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 have you but uh it adds to the joy of farming
1: yeah that, open, that opens the door to a big question and uh, a lot of people they think they're separate to the environment you know humans are bad for the environment humans are detrimental to the environment and uh, we need to consider that we're actually a part of the environment we are you know, we, we're, we're, we have the ability to create or destroy, you know? And if you put yourself in a, in a you know, an abundance mindset, you put yourself in a position to create, well, then you can create anything, you know? And people have a lot of power as an individual. They can make big changes. And just like we're showing here, you know, we're, we're growing food and it doesn't have to be a farming basis. It could be anything. But at the end of the day, if we have, if we carry, you know, nature around with us, we carry the ability to create, inside us well then you know you live a much more beneficial life you don't have to be separate from the environment we're all a part of it
0: yeah yeah and uh that sense of holism can also be bigger than your farm too so really curious to uh hear about you and your your fellow farmers uh hopes of linking with the community and how how uh uh, what you're doing can have an extension out. Uh, who knows? You may you may be the inspiration for the next farmers
1: uh, uh, that are that are coming around Dublin. That's uh, that's a fantastic question because that's uh-huh. ex- that's exactly where we are in our journey, personally and professionally. Like I was explaining earlier on, what we were doing down here, we were monkey see, monkey do. We were transplanting crops. We were direct seeding according to specifications and we were getting results but until we start to understand the practices that we're doing and until we had a deep knowledge of what we're doing and that takes years there's a huge curve there we can take it to the next level now we can say okay we understand what we're doing it's knowledge based now it's not just monkey see monkey do so we want to share that with the community because when you get into this game it's you start off like okay i want to be self-sufficient it's kind of a it's a little bit of selfishness in it and that's not necessarily a bad thing but then you start to understand that okay, we are all connected. There is there's a there's a massive door you go through, and you're like, we need to share this information. You know, it's like not only a moral obligation, but you want to share it. You, you change, your heart changes, your your mind changes, and you have a different outlook on life. You've got, you know, you've you've got the drive, you've got the passion. It all starts to grow. All these things are you know untrained muscles. You know, you got to put them into use. And once you go down that line, you get to a point where okay, I've got, I've got myself built, as they say, I've got my temple built, I know what I'm doing, I feel good, I'm eating well, I'm, I'm drinking plenty of water, I'm sleeping, okay, I'm looking after my family, my family's good. And then you say, okay, my community's the next step because you just want to keep expanding out, you want to keep offering that out and that's, that's a level of awareness. So on a, on a practical level, we want to have more visitors down, we want to start running training courses but we also want to do it in such a way that, okay, here's here's something that you can do. Here's here's how you do it financially speaking. Here's how you do it, you know, uh, with the environment in mind. Here's how you do it holistically, you know. And we're not experts at this, but we are taking everything into account um, because they're all relevant. Um, yeah, we want to share it. We want to get more people involved. And we're only at that stage now.
0: And it's very, very encouraging. What I'm learning about in in Europe that uh, time tea time, huh? that in the states we call it local economy, but here you you say circular economy, which is great because uh, really, you have to be part of a community food system. That's what I always used to say. Food systems great, but the concept of food system, but unfortunately, the modern concept now means you can get apples from chile and they yes. call that a food system it's a global food system. well that's not really sustainable what you need to do is to uh yeah oh, sorry <laughs> no it's <okay. laughs> it's all right
1: yeah, you ask the lads around there they'll put okay. you to work all right <laughs> it's good to see you again
0: you know just just uh back to the community food oh, system probably. concept that all of these other aspects of what a community means can be help. You know, you can, you could be part of making it happen. Yeah. As, as well as, as well as feeding people's bellies. Yeah. You're, you're helping everything else that we need in a, in a community. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, that's, that's just a beautiful thought and a beautiful goal to have. And, uh, I know, I know that, uh, I, I've met some agriculture economists that have really opened up my eyes back in America, how many farmers are finding themselves. They're very knowledgeable and successful farmers, but they find their community gone. Hmm. There's no community anymore. Their, their local town is now bankrupt. Yeah. Uh, they, they don't even have neighbors yeah. anymore. And what kind of life is that? you know Mm -hmm. that you're you might as well be living on the moon
1: (laughs) yeah absolutely Uh, and so socially barren
0: yeah so yeah exactly the emotional side of us you're 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 taking care of that as well as everything else i mean you a farmer as well as any individual can depend on a community for a number of different things yeah absolutely Um, there's
1: more than one form of capital yeah
0: and so um well Following up on the community connection, you know, what uh, kind of interested to see or hear about, I know that you're busily perfecting or learning more and more about what you're putting together right now, because you've got quite a variety of vegetable crops. And uh, I'm looking at some very laden apple trees here, apples are just Gorgeous looking.
1: Yeah, um,
0: yeah. Where would you like to see what you've got right now going? You know, kind of thinking in terms of the community, you know, maybe some of your marketing ideas, maybe educational ideas. There's so many, so many ideas that, uh, and I, I don't want to not recognize the fact that everything has its time. <laughs> You know you know if, if you're not ready for it then it's not a good idea necessarily okay. but kind of curious to to, to hear
1: uh, where you see what you've got going here going well you, you said a lot there that's uh you know how long have we gotten the podcast <laughs> you know I my personality I, I love to uh, read about all different things but like I said my background is IT and engineering and I love to create and problem solve and, and um, but you do that in such a way where you've got your emotion involved you've got your heart aligned and, and you know great things can happen I think as, as uh, and everybody has that potential and we're only getting started but um, you touched on a few things there about you know the community losing its its heart and that basically that they're being deruralised or whatever word you want to use you know and I think that's by design to a certain degree or you could say it's you know, the monetary system is, is driving people into cities and stuff because they need to live, um, you know, a more financially stable life. But that's not necessarily the best thing for people, you know. And farmers are seeing a reduction. Like, I remember seeing a a study or just a simple graph. Like, 100 years ago, there was, like, 90% of the people were farmers. And today, 10% or less are farmers, you know. So that's obviously a a very simple way of looking at the disconnection of the land. So, um yeah, and and you've got people who are not farmers coming up with solutions in farming, um. So, and like, I wouldn't be against technology or whatsoever. It's just the how you appropriate that technology, how you bring that in, and how you do it. Like we've got like this. I seen an article there a few months ago, and it was um. I think it was either spinach or lettuce plants that were hooked up to Wi-Fi that could tell you when they're ready to harvest. You know, so that was a genetically modified crop that could basically bio indicate when it was ready to harvest now I don't you don't need to be a genius today. that's probably not a good idea to be genetically modifying food because like how long have we, we don't know the long-term implications it is you know and that alone should put the brakes on something when we've already got such a vast array of varieties and we've got breeding techniques we've got skills there we've got fantastic genetics which are natural and then can be bred and and to, into performance varieties and we already have these things we just need the the, the, you know the better application for them and the climate situation they say okay that's an energy problem you know so that's what he's trying to say you're kind of limited you're kind of creating all these different things well there's so many different forms of energy you know you just need to be creative on a farm now i know people are limited by finances and and stuff like that like the conversation around it is massive there's different ways of, of generating energy there's there's, there's new forms of technology there and, you know, the, it's, it's an energy cartel at the end of the day, as far as I'm concerned. There's, there's different things there that could be brought to the market, which haven't been. And, um, yeah, so if, if you're in the alternative space, then keep educating, keep learning. But specifically for us, um, how we're going to continue to evolve and continue going forward is we have to adapt to what's going on. We see what's going on in the world. We, we have to kind of bend at will because we don't have the resources to create our own system yet, but we're working towards it. So in terms of marketing, we have to understand the type of people that want our produce. And that's uh, people that want fresh local food, uh, generally women, um, but that's changing, I guess now, because of everything that's going on. People want to know what's in their food, where it's coming from. They want to know who grew it. They want to know about the varieties. They, They want new recipes. Uh, they like to eat seasonally. All these things are important, and um, we offer that. You know, we 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 offer that because we've lived the whole season, we've are grown the whole season, and uh, yeah, people like our take on things. They like our spin, and they like our recipes, and they like talking to us. So, yeah, it's it's get the ball rolling. If if anybody's interested in getting into farming, like you know, find a good mentor or do your do your background information, do your research, and but. Uh, First and foremost, get started, and um, who knows what ideas you'll come up with yourself
0: yeah that's it's It's very encouraging to hear that you that you have that perspective um now, one of the things that I also like to do is talk about what you see as maybe obstacles for some of your hopes in the future. Some of the themes I've covered in other episodes which are other ways of helping folks like yourself, our food policy councils, uh, even uh, some places that are printing their own money <laughs> to uh, support the investment, to help local farmers get started when banks don't even loan anymore to the people that want to start in agriculture. They they have, you know, as far as our concern, it's it's not going to make enough profit for them.
1: Yeah, so, yeah, so uh, subsidies and yeah, so what have
0: you? you know, here in Dublin and area and Ireland in general, things that you've learned. Uh, I know you mentioned some of the trends, and the consumers are working the way that that are encouraging you to continue what you're doing. Uh, maybe uh, just a little bit of uh, words of caution about. What you see uh, that may that may uh, slow down as much as you 'd like to see happen that maybe the rest of the community can act upon to help you you from your your perspective accomplish everything that you 're hoping to accomplish
1: mm.
0: you know because uh, it's uh, it 's one of the things about a community food systems so then the consumers you know like in slow food movement, they talk they call the consumer a co-producer mm. so so even though you're not growing anything the fact that you're willing to spend your money you are making that producer justify why he's working so hard <laughs> doing what yeah. they're doing absolutely you know? yeah uh, and and uh, and that order. and that organization builds that coherence yeah to form that unit or uh, you know identity that you know you you're, you know they have a label and everything that they' they're looking to support people that, that follow those principles. Is that something that uh, you know even certifications or any kind of things is that something that in your opinion are a path you want to go down or are there other ideas that you have learned about that, you'd like to see happen to help you out in the future have a good
1: day lads yeah you touched on um, you touched on a few things there how how do people get in to farming when you know the access to um, resources essentially financial resources is is difficult Um, and how you make how you create a resilient uh, network and that's that's one of the most difficult things I think because it's while you're still learning to farm, especially we're only uh, first-generation farmers, you also have to think about selling the produce because you're not going to remain in business very long and you've got to be very adaptable very quickly. So, and, and anybody can do that. You just have to be willing to do the in- introspective work and be willing to do the uncomfortable action and be willing to put yourself in uncompromising positions. And, you know, And it, it takes it takes a bit of work. It takes a bit of time, but... You know, just because it's uncomfortable doesn't mean it, it doesn't work out. But um, there's a few different ways to get into farming. Like microgreens is is one that people can get into very quickly, takes very little uh, investment, and you can grow your business from there. Um, and you can work out a subscription model and all of that. The marketing side is um, is a different ball game, and we're still learning to be as effective as we can. But I think we've got a good kind of running start at it. I think the best way to build that network is to have an individual that takes the responsibility for their business and um, that makes sure that, that it's running on all cylinders. You know, you know what you're doing, you know what you're selling, you know who you're selling it to, you know what products you're producing, you know how to produce them. You know, all these questions are very deep questions and you gotta understand all the nuances for each of those crops and you want to bring quality, to proof is in the pudding. People respond to that. They respond to quality. They respond to people making a difference, making a change, you know. I used to believe that if you build it, they will come. But if you do, only some will come. And then they have no reason to stick around. So how do you make them stick around? Glue. <laughs> so you have to build viability. You have to build confidence. You have to build resilience. You have to make sure people know what they're getting. You have to listen to your customers. You have to grow what they want. You have to continually communicate. And then you find out, well, then what you're doing is you're, you're a pillar of the community. And um, it's a fundamental shift in the way communities are organizing. Um, because in the long term, these are not viable communities. Um, if you want a viable community, you have to make a change. And that's in the farmer's perspective and in the customer's perspective. Or the, the non-farming shareholder. You know, whatever perspective you want to take on it. But it's a fundamental shift, and people want it. Whether they understand why they want it is a different story. But you can tell that people want it. The trends are going that way. Um, yeah, you, it, it takes a lot of understanding, and we're basically children at this game um, because it's a huge way, a different way of thinking, and it's a shift. Um, but yeah, it, it, there's, there's, a, there's a vacuum for that. Uh, there's a vacuum for that in the community. And um, yeah, I I think over time we're going to see more of it. It's it's inevitable. People want access to it, and you just have to have the right system.
0: I hope so too. I hope to be able to come back in the future and and see how your ideas have all come to fruition and uh, and you've been able to grow the way that you hope to. Martin, thanks so much for this time. Really. Uh, Really, really do appreciate it. appreciate coming to walk the fields with you, too. It's always a soul-satisfying experience to do that. And uh, maybe uh, just wrap it up, maybe let them know how they can find you guys. Uh, I'll also repeat it later on when, in, in the episode, make sure that they understand. But uh, go ahead and tell them how many different social medias you guys are doing. <laughs>
1: Like I said, it's a pleasure to have you down, Robert. Um, you're welcome anytime. And it's always great to make uh, new friends and new connections. But yeah, you can find us. Our website is www.marketgnomes.com. Our Facebook handle is facebook.com forward slash gnomes. That's G-N-O-M-E-S. And then we have our instagram.com forward slash gnomes. And then we're also on Twitter as well. I'm pretty sure the handle on that is Market Gnomes as well. But uh, yeah, we're most active on Instagram, Facebook, and our website is going to be continually updated as we learn more about that. And their email is garden.nomes if anybody's interested in contacting us.
0: Okay, I'm sure they will be. Okay, thanks. Yeah, that was good. There you have it, my conversation with Martin and Jason of the Gnome's Market Garden. I sincerely hope that you found it as educational and inspiring as I did and that it gives you plenty of food for thought to take back to your community. If you want more information about and or contact the Gnome's Market Garden, you can go to their website at all lowercase h-t-t-p-s colon forward slash forward slash M-A-R-K-E-T-G-N-O-M-E-S dot C-O-M. And to their Facebook webpage called The Gnomes. If you want to view a short documentary video of The Gnomes Market Garden, go to, again, all lowercase, https colon forward slash forward slash F-I-N-N R I C H A R D S period com forward slash p o r t f o l i o forward slash t h e dash g a r d e n dash g n o m e s If you want access to online resources on market gardening, I can suggest the following websites. These are all lowercase. From the European Commission, https, colon, forward slash, ec, dot, e-u-r-o-p-a, dot, e-u, forward slash, e-i-p, forward slash, A-G-R-I-C-U-L-T-U-R-E forward slash E-N forward slash N-E-W-S forward slash I-N-S-P-I-R-A-T-I-O-N-A-L dash I-D-E-A-S dash M-A-R-K-E-T dash G A R D E N I N G from the UN Food and Agriculture Organization H T T P S colon forward slash forward slash WWW dot dot o r g forward slash P L A N T dash T-R-E-A-T-Y, forward slash, T-O-O-L-S, forward slash, T-O-O-L-B-O-X, dash, F-O-R, dash, S-U-S-T-A-I-N-A-B-L-E, dash, U-S-E, forward slash, D-E-T-A-I-L-S, forward slash, E-N, forward slash C forward slash 1415282 forward slash. For information about Jim Cronin, who was mentioned above, go to lowercase h t t p s colon forward slash forward slash w w w dot f a r m e r s j o u r n a l dot i e forward slash f a r m i n g dash f o r dash N A T U R E dash W I N E R dash I dash A L W A Y S dash W A N T E D dash T O dash B E dash A dash F A R M E R dash five seven nine seven seven five For a basic startup guide, go to lowercase https colon forward slash forward slash A-T-T-R-A dot N-C-A-T dot O-R-G forward slash P-R-O-D-U-C-T forward slash M-A-R-K-E-T dash G-A-R-D-E-N-I-N-G Dash A dash START dash UP dash GUIGE forward slash. There is the Market Gardener Institute, which you can find at lowercase again, HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash THE. M a r k e t g a r d e n e r dot c o m, and there's the Center of Agriculture and Sustainable Food Systems. Go to again lowercase h t t p s colon forward slash forward slash w dot f a o dot forward slash A-G-R-O-E-C-O-L-O-G-Y forward slash D-A-T-A-B-A-S-E forward slash D-E-T-A-I-L forward slash E-N forward slash C forward slash 471438 forward slash. To find out about the Growing for Market magazine, go to lowercase https colon forward slash g-r-o-w-i-n-g-f-o-r-m-a-r-k-e-t dot c-o-m. And finally, for information about SPIN farms, which again was mentioned above, go to again lowercase, https colon forward slash forward slash S P I N F A R M I N G dot com. Before we end this episode, I'd like to remind you that you can now visit my website for the podcast Agroecology World at lowercase. H-T-T-P colon forward slash forward slash A-G-R-O-E-C-O-L-O-G-Y-W-O-R-L-D dot as well as its Facebook website where I provide free online educational materials for your community projects and agroecology. So happy trails until we meet again at my next episode of Agroecology World. And again, I want to express my appreciation for your efforts as an active listener to share the episodes of Agroecology World to your network to support community-based actions for sustainable food systems development and agroecology. In fact, your participation as an active listener has garnered a rating for this podcast as one of the top five podcasts on agroecology by the online content reader called Feedspot, which is one of the several online providers of agroecology world. I can't thank everyone enough for this recognition. Please stay safe and stay healthy. Slancha.